The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. Alright. We are going to finish um, the study of the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians today. So let's just continue from where we were last time. The book of Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read that one again. It's our school of Bible exegesis. We read this last time. We'll just read it again because we'll pass some more comments on it. Ephesians chapter 6. From the finally part of it. From verse 10. Say a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, he says in verse 13, Put on every piece, don't miss anyone out, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. The issue about Christianity is to stand firm. It says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. What he began to do here now was to break down the different components of the complete armor of God. What are the pieces? He said, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, we'll call that breastplate, of course, so that you remember. That's a common word for it. For shoes, he says, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He said, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Paul said in verse 19, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. He said, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Now this was where we read last time. We also read the portion of the book of um, um, Colossians briefly, the first few verses, talking about the matter of prayer. Now I said we'll just continue, uh, we'll just conclude looking at this, and then we'll now look at the closing greetings that Paul gave and then we'll be done with this, our studies of the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. Now, this prayer thing, because we have taught extensively from this area, I want to recommend the series that we taught on this particularly. Who can remember? But anyway, we have this series, okay, in which I, I taught on this um, book of Ephesians chapter 6. And then we're talking about um, something on warfare. It had to do some, with something on warfare. I wanted to look for it, but I, I forgot because we don't compile the list as we used to, so I couldn't really easily find it. But anyway, what I want to try and do is not to sit down and do a detailed teaching on the school of prayer, on prayer here. All we just do is just pass some comments briefly, like we began to do last time. Now, last time I explained the fact that um, we are not warring against um, flesh and blood enemies like we just read here. It's very important we get that point. Our enemies are not flesh and blood which simply means your enemies are not people. Even Now listen to this. Even if you literally see in the vision the person that is supposedly against you, the Bible still says that's camouflage. Are you getting my point? It's camouflage. That flesh person you are seeing is not your real problem. The real problem is unseen. There are invisible forces that dwell all right, in the realm of the spirit. They are not the people that you are seeing. If your mother-in-law is your enemy, the Bible says she's not your real enemy. It's somebody that is using her to attack you. And that's the person you should be angry with and love your mother-in-law. You understand? And I don't know why people keep on making us mother-in-laws are problems. They are not problems. They are normal people. You know, there are all kinds of jokes you know, about mother Why, why are they not father-in-law? Father-in-law can be more problematic sometimes. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is a matter of fact, okay? And just by the way, you are the one that knows how to, I mean, there's no mother-in-law that's a problem. There's no father-in-law that's a problem. The problem is always either the husband or the wife. It is the people you are lying to your family that can cause problems. If you decide that nobody else is coming in, including your father or your mother, they will not be able to come in and cause any trouble. Let's get that clear. However, let us even assume you were that day you go marry Omo Aje. You know what they call Omo Aje in Yoruba land? There's the Yaje. That's the woman is the witch. The Omo Aje. She's the child of a witch. It happens sometimes. You went and married Omo Aje. You understand? The Bible says, and I'm telling you today, that so-called Aje, which is not your problem. Your problem is what? The devil. We have one enemy. So what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to love the supposed witch and fight the devil that's behind. Let's get that clear. This, this warfare that we do in today's Christianity, in Nigeria's Christianity, I hope it's not like that in other places. This one we do in Nigeria's Christianity, of which we are fighting people and calling them enemies, is ungodly. The Bible says clearly, our enemies are not flesh and blood enemies. They are spiritual beings. It's the devil and his agents. He said we are fighting, look at verse 12. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He said because these people are not human beings, for that reason you will put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now we've read this, I'm just going to explain them. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. What does that mean? When it says that you'll be able to resist the enemy by putting on every piece of God's armor. Many of the things people use are not pieces of God's armor. Not telling your neighbor you want to travel is not part of God's armor. I hope you get my point here. Yeah, because you think that they are going to wait for you on the road and derail your train. That is not part of God's armor. We told the information from the population around so they will not know your moves. All right? That certainly is not part of God's armor. What you use is God's armor. So don't, you know, <laughs> don't get into all of those things. Doing the sign of the cross before you pass in front of your enemy's house is not part of God's armor. You get my point. Putting a Bible under your bed when you want to sleep is not part of God's armor. Tying the, the palm front that you use for the last year's um, Palm Sunday on your door till it dries and turns to powder till the next year's Palm Sunday is not part of God's armor. Modern day, you cannot, if I say this to be surprised on people, uh, you can't put anointing oil on the front of a house and say it is part of God's armor. It is not. You cannot go and do, you know, Christians are very funny people. We go and do what Jews used to do. We sprinkle the blood and put it on top of our doorstep. It is not part of God's armor. It is not at all. We have the armor of God here that we are supposed to use. Paul listed them for us. First of all, now before we even look at that, and what we are trying to do, what do we use it for? We are trying to resist the enemy, and we know who the enemy is. The enemy is the devil. We are using these things to resist the enemy in the time of evil. What is the time of evil? Let's get it clear. The time of evil is the time of temptation. The time of evil is not when you are having troubles in life, but when you are being tempted. Everything that comes into your life is a time of temptation. Let me explain what I'm trying to say there. Because you see, there was a man, we all know the story, Job. He had more calamity than most human beings can ever dream of. All right, all his children died in one day. That same day was the day he lost every bit of business he had. He became sick, all right? And because of that sickness, sores came out all over his body. That was, in fact, medical science has a disease called Job syndrome. Yes, we have it. I'm not kidding about it. It's called Job syndrome. It's a particular disease where there are sores all over the person's body. We have that there. So all of these things happened to one man. Listen, if you don't go mad, something else is keeping you sane. I mean, if the children want to die, they should die one after the other. One die in January, you die in, in June, one die in December. You'll be getting used to people dying around. Not that in the morning, adult children, old enough to plan birthday parties for themselves. Just in one day, everybody's gone. And this was after you heard that all your trucks <laughs> fell into the, you know, they fell into the lagoon. All your businesses caught fire. The only one you had left, somebody, while trying to fight somebody, has planted bomb near it, and the whole factory came down. 
Why you are still saying, hey, God help me, oh. They come and tell you, ah, we didn't tell you. The train, the plane carrying all your children crashed. <laughs> Listen, any man that doesn't go mad at that particular point in time, knows there must be something else. Now, what am I, why am I talking about all of that? And the Bible didn't call it calamity, call it temptation. I don't know whether I get my point. We read the scriptures, all of those troubles were called temptation. That is, that was not, there was no loss yet as far as God was concerned. Job had not lost anything. That is, until Job loses his faith, he hasn't lost anything. All those troubles had just one purpose, that Job might lose his faith. So until Job lost his faith, he hadn't lost anything. So in the day of evil, <laughs> that's what the Bible is saying, we have to put on every armor so we we'll resist the enemy. I said this before, let us get it clear again. Forget this, your enemies who calls it now running all over the place, firing arrows from the village. This is the real enemy we are talking about, this devil. And what is he looking for? He's not looking for your car, he doesn't drive cars. He flies around in the realm of the spirit. He doesn't look, he's not looking for your money, he gives people money. What is he doing with your money? Say, bow to me. I'll give you everything. He gives people money. People will beg him for riches in life. We know about it. It's both scriptural and experience has taught us that it is true. The devil does that. People join covens, they join cults, they join all kinds of things so that they can have money. And God allows him the power. Things of this world. So he doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your wife. He can't marry her. He doesn't want your children. They cannot become his. What does he want? There is only one thing he wants. He wants to corrupt your faith so that you can look to God and say boldly. And unfortunately, I like to always add this one so that when preachers are listening to me, they will be careful that they don't walk with the devil. Stop preaching to believers so that they will be serving God for something. It's so important because what we preachers do a lot of times, we get up. But these days, I have learned it too. God has helped me. Listen to my messages over the last few years. I am careful not to offer you any return for serving God. It's deliberate. If my message starts going that direction, I withdraw it. Say, Banky, stop that. I'm serious. I just want people to understand. That's my own purpose. I want them to understand that they can, they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respect and bearing fruit in every good work. They should look forward to God giving them a handshake, so to speak, at the end of, the t- at the end of everything and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not going to promise you that if you give, God will multiply it. If you give, He will take some more. That one I know. If you prove faithful in a little, he makes you in charge of many. But he's not giving you anything. He said it clearly. You are, in quotes, an unprofitable servant. When he say profitable, now it doesn't mean that you yourself are not bringing forth profit. But he says you stand to benefit nothing. That's what he meant by unprofitable servant. You have only done what you were asked to do. And you queue up for the next assignment. Preachers to stop. Please, it's very important. They should stop setting up believers so that they would not, if, so if, if they do something, God doesn't do anything. They're angry. We get up every day, preach to them. When you give and give and give, God is going to break through upon you. Mm. He will not. Get used to it. If you don't want to give, carry your money and go away. If you don't want to spend your money on the gospel, it's your problem. If you don't want to help the poor, mm-hmm. we know, the, look, God will bring deliverance from another place. You must derive joy from just doing what is right. That way, you know why I'm saying this? We can't allow the devil have voice. He won't have a voice in God's presence. Because the way we preach now, come on, people are serving God for something. And that was the argument that Job, um, God, uh, Satan had before God. He said, is Job serving you for nothing? He said, is a man that's upright, eschewing evil. No one like him. Satan said to God, is it not because you blessed him? Is it not because he said, oh, that my son is a great giver. Is it not because you are multiplying the money? That my son, that my daughter, she's so dedicated to the gospel. Satan said, is it not because you have given her peace all around? And we preachers, not realizing that we are working for the devil, will not get up and say, look at this brother, he's prospering. You know why? Every time he brings out money to give. So everybody gives like him. And Satan stands and does not let them prosper. Why? Because he brings accusation. Say, this boy is only giving because of what he's going to get. God says, okay, let us watch. 
It's an argument. So now he has given everything he has. Now I won't give him anything. Let's see what will happen. Then Satan takes his recorder and goes to your house. And the first time you open your mouth and say, ah, they said we should sow last week. Within one week, God will do something. Nothing has happened to God. Satan said, God, did I not tell you? And that's it. Satan has won. Why should Satan be bragging on your lack of faith? It's not good. The right satisfaction that you, you disappoint him. The right satisfaction from the fact that he, he's dis, I mean, he, he fails. In fact, you know, there's one man, R.W. Bollinger, companion Bible. People say that there was a snake in the garden. The other day I was listening to one man, he said there was a reptile with tiny feet or something. That is one that tempted um, Eve. That man said no, and I believe him. He said the serpent was not an animal. That the word was a created being. That it was a person that walked in. Now I'm going somewhere. You see where I'm going. He said, okay, what does he mean when he says that dust shall thou eat? He said the curse of God on Satan is that all your schemes will meet with disappointment. That was what he meant when he said dust shall thou eat. On thy belly you shall go. That frustration will be your portion all the days of your life. What am I trying to say here? That is, in your life, fulfill that curse of God. That curse that he placed upon the devil. Let, him be, let it be fulfilled in your life. So that if you lose anything, you come forth with a word of thanksgiving. Then he's frustrated. That's what I'm going to emphasize. So that anything happens to you, make sure, no matter how painful, no matter how terrible. That was how Job won the battle. He said, the Lord has given. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. He now ended with, blessed be the name of the Lord. Ha! Satan said, this boy, now wow. So he went to God and said, it's because it's the only goods we collect and children. The man is still healthy. God said, no problem. Make him sick. Just don't kill him. Because he has to be alive for us to know who won the battle. I know the interesting part. You know the interesting part? God knew Job. If it's many Christians, God will say, we'll discuss that later. I'm busy right now. <laughs> we'll discuss that later. He knew Job. He's alright. He says because he's healthy. Go out. Go and give him Job syndrome. They went. Gave him diseases. He kept and he suffered. Go and read the story. He said at night he wishes for day. During the day he wishes for night. That's how terrible... His suffering was. At night, he will wish for day. During the day, he wish it were night. He will turn to this side. I mean, it was terrible. The sores were itchy, they were painful. He got to a point, the man despised the day of his birth. How I wish I was never born. Which means all the enjoyment and prosperity of his life, the memory was wiped away by a few weeks of suffering. Just the intensity of it. In all of these things, there was just one question. Will this man deny the Lord? So when the Bible talks about the time of evil, the time of, some of the prayers we pray, God, the enemy will not get my goods. <laughs> there are prayers, I, I don't know when last I pray such things. Though. I don't know when last I pray such things. Enemy wants to call it, so call, of course I don't know about the neighbor's enemy, I'm talking about the devil. Devil will take your car and say, let him take it. I said, the Lord, now I don't have any anymore. So what are you going to do? We'll get a new one. We'll start praying. But I can't be every day. Say, God, because it's fear. Because you know you say, <laughs> you say for six years and three months to buy that car. If it goes now, you don't calculate under eight years of suffering. So what's the point I'm trying to make? That you say you put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist. That's what I'm going to emphasize. What are we resisting? What are we resisting for? That's another point. What is a time of evil? What I'm saying is every day in life, temptations come. There are temptations that are not as bad like that of, um, of Job. They are the normal temptations we know in life. I mean, not temptation by hurting us so badly, but by enticing us. Look, look at this. You're not feeling any personal pain, but there's temptation. We know all kinds of temptations. That's what the Bible calls the time of evil. I just use the Job's uh, own to let you know, even when it appears like bad things are happening, we should know what the target is. It's not the loss that's the problem. Your faith did not fail just because you lost something. Your faith fails when you fail your faith. <laughs> Do you get my point? 
Yeah, well, what I mean is, is when you lose something, you start whining. You know, one day somebody was telling me there's one church, I won't mention it, everybody brags in the church, I'm a man of faith, 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 alright? Then one deacon fell and broke a leg and put it in a cast. And deacon did not go to church until the leg healed. Why? If I go to church, they think my faith is not working. That's foolishness. Yeah, Christians do because they think that's a sign that, you see, you, you don't have faith like you said you have. You know, Paul, Paul, not the mercy person, you know. He wrote to them that, uh, what's the name? Is he Epaphroditus? That was sick. That was almost dead. Paul didn't hide it. That guy, I laid hands on him with all the anointing upon me. He's still sick. The other one said, Trophimus, I have left sick. People walking with Paul. <laughs> they fell sick. And Paul wrote in a letter, Trophimus, I left him sick at Melitus. I hope he recovers. I was listening to Kenegi. Kenegi said, what happened after? I said, we don't know. Maybe he died the next day. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I going to say? Those are not the signs that faith has failed. Faith has failed when whining begins. Faith has failed when we start saying, of what use is it to serve God? That's exactly what the devil is going for. When they sit and start whining about the country, after the prayer we have prayed, they are still arresting Supreme Court justices. You know faith has failed. <laughs> when we start whining on a daily basis, that's faith has failed. That's faith failing. I'm saying here, the Bible says we use all this armor. Every piece must be put on so as to resist the devil in the time of evil. And the duty again is to stand firm. In the time of evil, what are we supposed to do? Stand firm. The purpose, verse 14, is stand your ground. What God wants us to do with prayer is to stand our ground. You know, Christians don't get it. They will be using prayer to run. No. Stand your ground. And let me, because like I said, we're not doing a detailed teaching on prayer. And I'm just trying to explain a bit of it so we can leave this and go on. He said, you are supposed to stand your ground. Again, the ground is a ground of faith. It's a ground of faith. That is Isaac, God said to him, I've given you this land. Then there was famine in the land. He said, let's go down to Egypt. By faith, he stayed in the land and did not go. That's standing your ground. Please, let me just go on in, in, in details about that again. And how do you stand your ground? It's simply by putting on the belt of truth, always believing God's word, which is truth, and always uttering the word of God, which is truth, again, in your mouth, and always speaking that which is true and positive. The body, is said, talking about the body armor. The breastplate, we call it, of righteousness. For shoes, I don't have time. To, I mean, I, we did a series then. We, we took these things one by one. I just have a pity. I can't remember which series now. It said, for shoes, verse 15, put on the peace that comes from the good news. In answer, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench or extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the fiery arrows. I've said this before. What is a fiery arrow? This was how they did warfare those days. You shoot a missile, we do in modern day, but those days they didn't have missiles like that. What they could do was to, their archers would fire arrows and put fire, alright, at the tip. When they shoot their arrows and it's burning, when it gets into a place, it sets the place on fire. What is the application? The news you hear will cause you to panic if you are not careful. The Bible said the, the heart of men failed them when they behold, when they hear the news that is going on, their hearts fail. How do you handle, I mean, you know the way it is. People just wake up in the morning and they are sad. Why are they sad? They watch the news. They heard that Naira lost value against the dollar. So it's now 450. And they say, what is a man going to do? You know what I do? I don't even bother reading it. And if I read it, I rejoice. The way I've been rejoicing, my joy is in the Lord. It's not in the things that are outside. Now, those bad news that you hear, the Bible says that they cause somebody's heart to be set aflame. That's what I'm trying to explain. But how do you handle it? Paul said, this is what you do, all right? You quench it with the shield of faith. Just lift up God's word. Please go and listen to our series, um, The Rod of God. Just lift up that word of God. That is your shield of faith. Every time something comes to you, you respond with something else that's inside you. What do I mean? 
when they tell you that things are rough, you say no good thing will live with hope from those who walk uprightly. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is no want, there is no lack for those who fear him. These are statements we make. And please, let me just say this. Never, listen, anytime you hear negative news, you must respond. You see what I said? Anytime you hear negative news, what did I say? Because it's an arrow. You can't just let it hit. Please, all these arrows from the village, they don't exist. I hope you understand my point. As far as Christians are concerned, they don't exist. Are they shooting them? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? If you're a believer, those arrows from villages that one man is shooting at night while you are sleeping against you, they don't exist. Please, if you are listening to this, don't come and tell me any crappy story about one man somewhere. I'm telling you, those are not believers. When witches and Ogbanjis are in the same community, they are shooting each other. What's my problem? I don't know whether you are getting my point here. They don't exist. As far as I am concerned, they don't exist. But do arrows exist? Yes. The arrow that exists is what I'm talking about here. In the life of a believer, there are arrows that exist. And it's not those ones they are shooting from the village while you are sleeping. The arrows that exist for the believer, you hear it with your ears. You see it with your eyes. Do you get my point? You read it in a book. Usually a newspaper. An online, no, a particular website that's, that's there to tell you all the negative things happening in the society. Those are the things I call arrows. Those are the arrows. Those are the arrows. Sent to scare you. The Bible says the heart of men fail them when they get report. Go and read it. That's how God drove people out of the promised land. They say, we heard of your news. Our hearts failed us. The Jews are not, the Israel had not yet arrived though. Israel had not yet arrived. The people heard that they were coming. Their hearts failed. That was why Jericho locked his gates. Because of what? News. So that's what I'm going to teach. So make sure that every time you hear news, you quench it. You quench it. Like I always say, one day you forget one or two things. If somebody tells you it's your age, don't be silent. You know why? He has planted the seed. You say, you know you're getting old now. I want you to say, mm. so tomorrow you forget another thing. You say, I told you yesterday, you're getting old. They thought they forget something else. They say, I told you, you're getting old. By the time they say it repeatedly, First time you forgot is just the way, you know, who, let's just ask, let's ask, let's ask, let's be honest. Who forgets more, adults or children? <laughs> if, you, if you say adults, you have not seen children in a long time. I will tell my son sometimes, go downstairs, get me this. Then after 30 minutes, he hasn't come back. Then you shall victory. I told you to bring this for me. Oh! You know what happened? He was passing, his eyes caught the TV. His favorite cartoon was on, and he stopped to watch for two minutes. In that interval, he has forgotten everything. But they are not old, yet they forget. What's the number one reason you forget is because of multitude of activities. That's number one reason. It's not because you are old. It is not because of age. It's simply because of multitude of activities. But, this is what I'm going to, when somebody starts telling you, you are old, you are old, you don't realize they are planting seeds, planting seeds, they are setting inside on fire, you don't realize it. Then one day, you actually start forgetting because of age. Why? Because somebody was planting seeds for you, you were not obtruding them immediately. You were not answering. When they say, ah, you are forgetting because of age, you say, forget that thing. No matter how old I am, I will not forget. Say why? Because the spirit of Christ is in me. It's giving life to my mortal body. That's just one statement. You've killed it. That's what I'm talking about. Business is going down. Why? This is economic recession. Don't agree with them. Life is spiritually determined. When they give that news, say that will not be my portion. Why? Because the Bible says, even when the young lions have trouble, those that seek the Lord will not lack anything good. Say, despite what is outside, I am planted beside streams of water. In my season, I will bear my fruit. But if they say, well, okay, in the last one week, you have not done much now. He said, that last one week was not my season. It's not because of your economic problem outside. Because in the midst of economic abundance, if it's not my season, it's still not my season. 
You just declare God's word. That's what Paul was talking about. That is how, alright, you quench those arrows. And I, I want to emphasize to Christians, those are the arrows that are your problems. Don't go to churches that are saying, all the arrows fired against me, back to sender. That prayer has no meaning. It's one of the most meaningless prayers in 2016. All the arrows against me, back to sender, is a meaningless prayer. Yeah, we can soul self. Go back to sender to go and do what? <laughs> Some of these arrows, maybe those kind of... Anyway, let me not go there. But let me just say it again. That prayer is meaningless. Don't pray it again. Can I say one more time? I will. It's my mouth. That prayer is meaningless. Don't pray it again. That's a prayer of fear. You are afraid. The real arrow is what I'm talking about. Is the news people give you. I like the way Andrew Mark said it in one message. Says they will tell you, say, hey, I had an auntie that died of this same disease. <laughs> you told somebody that you've had a headache for three days. And he started telling you, that's how this man's own started. Now he's dead. This other man's own started. Now he has died. Are you getting my point? <laughs> there was one joke. I don't know how many of you saw the joke. Omar went to a chemist shop. Say, please, I've been having this headache for the last few days. Can you help me? He said, one madman was standing at the door. He said, when you have the headache, you start feeling like this. The man said, yes. He said, after some time, when you see rubbish dump, it looks attractive. The man said, yes. He said, I did none of this. He said, now so my own thing starts. He <laughs> <laughs> might we call it prognosis. <laughs> It's prognosticating for you. That's why you start fighting. Tell the man, say, my own will not start like that. <laughs> so in fact, right now, I reject the headache. I don't want medicine again. I'm going. What am I trying to say? Those are the arrows Christians are supposed to fight to. Very important. <laughs> Please, let's go on. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to stay too long today. He now said, um, okay, we read it. Put on, the, put on salvation as your helmet. The protection for your mind. This is my own interpretation of it. Use the knowledge of what God has done for you in Christ as the basis for interpreting everything you see around. Are you getting my point? I take the head as the seat of the mind, and the mind refers to how you interpret things. Use the knowledge of what God has done for you in Christ, that is salvation, to protect your mind. Take on the sword of the Spirit, which is. He said, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Like, like some people will say, is a spoken Word of God. That is, is a sword we use in the realm of the Spirit. We're not going to teach on that now, because we've talked about it again and again. With this one, you fight, you attack. Something, again, please listen to the series, the rod of God. You lift up that rod all the time to break anything that seems hard in your life. You lift up that road. That's what Paul was saying. He says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I want to just say something. And then I say, pray for me also. I won't talk in details about it. Just trying to summarize everything he said here. I want to just say this. Paul always talked about praying. In the Colossian letter, he said, be devoted to prayer. It's very important. He said here, Pray for all believers everywhere. We're not teaching on prayer, like I said. I just wanted to emphasize these things. But please try and get our series. We have different ones. How to pray for your loved ones. How to pray for the nation. All right. How to pray for yourself in the time of adversity. And of course, they're all available on our website for free download. All of them. So we don't have time to discuss it here. But what I just want to say is that Paul talked and emphasized extensively on being persistent in prayer. And it says, pray with all manner of prayer. Let's see that. Where's that scripture? Where's that verse? No, no. The one that says, pray with all manner of prayer. Which version now? Because different versions. Okay, New King James. Okay. So that's verse 18, right? Let me just read that from verse 18. From New King James. Verse 18 says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. If you use the Amplified Bible, Amplified says it like this. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. 
Now, while I was just reading that, okay, is to emphasize that there are different kinds of prayers. There are different ways to pray. Different ones handle different situations. But it's important for us believers to learn the kind of prayers, all right, to learn all of them. There are times that the only thing you do is to give thanks. There are times that you start, you know, prophesying in prayer, just declaring the word of God. There are times that what you just simply do, you are interceding for somebody else. That's another one. There are, time, there are all kinds of prayers. They say there is petition, there is supplication, there is intercession. Uh, one man said intercession is for unbelievers, the supplication is for believers. Whatever be the name. So he says some, it's prayer of faith. Once you pray it once, you don't pray it again. But there are prayers in which you will pray again and again and again. Because Elijah, was, he also prayed his own prayer of faith. And he prayed again and again. There are different kinds of prayer. We don't have time to talk about them now. That's what I'm recommending, please. Normally on Tuesdays here, what we have is a school of prayer. And we have all kinds of messages out there. Go to our website, download them. Like I said, there's a method to pray for your children. And does not mean does not include teaching them like that video we saw. To start their praying praying with none that we are beginning to pray. Everybody against our destiny die by fire. That's a very bad way to raise children. That child is going to be paranoid. Alright? There is a method to do it. There's a method to pray for the country. Different principles apply in different um, um, situations. There's a way to pray for yourself. Praying for yourself is the one that should take the least amount of time. And the focus for yourself when you are praying should be primarily for wisdom and understanding. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Every other thing is added. There are methods. So Paul said it here. Pray with all manners of prayer. He said all manner of prayer. Use all of that. Keep alert. Watch with strong purpose and perseverance. That's Amplified Bible. Interceding. In behalf of all the saints. And pray for me also. We talked about that briefly before. So let me just stop here. Now where we are going to go on to next. I just wanted to summarize that. Let's just go to the closing greetings that Paul gave to both the Ephesians. And then the Colossian. That in both the Ephesians and the Colossian letter. We'll just read briefly the one in the book of Ephesians. And then go down to the Colossian one where he, ta- he greeted them in details. Verse 21. These are the final greetings. So to bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. He said, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon you who love our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Ephesians from chapter, uh, chapter 6 from verse 21 to the end, which is verse 24. Please quickly, let's read how we closed the Colossian letter. And that's the one in which we will spend time, alright, passing a few comments here and there. In fact, there's a particular verse there which I love the most. Colossians chapter 4. Paul's final instructions and greetings. That was how New Living Translation headed that segment. From verse 7. The same Tychicus again. Tychicus, he said, will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. To let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus... A faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Verse 10, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. Now, the truth is that some of those people, it's not as if they were arrested. Paul just called them fellow prisoners because they were always with him. In fact, they said they used to take turns. You stay with him this week and that person comes. So some of them were not really arrested with Paul. They were just people that decided to share in his imprisonment, so as to encourage him. It's a very important thing for we believers to understand. He said, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. So does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. If you remember, this was one that caused a, caused a quarrel between Barnabas and um, Paul at the time. He said, as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. 
Jesus, not the one that died for you, alright? The one we call Justus also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God and want what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, he says, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He also prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Herapolis. Verse 14, Look, the beloved doctor sends his greetings. So does Demas, an interesting fellow, who eventually departed from him. <laughs> so does Demas. Verse 15, Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. I like this verse, verse 17. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. That's verse 17. New, um, New American Standard says it like this. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. I'll pass a comment about that, please, all right, before we close. He said, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Now said in verse 18, here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. He said, remember my chains, may God's grace be with you. Now we have concluded reading those two uh, books, every single line in both of them. Not a bad idea. The Lord is good. Now where are we going from here? We're going back to our school of prayer. Then I have a very good mind to do Ecclesiastes and the book of Hebrews. Oh, I'm doing the book of Hebrews. Please don't miss anyone. It will help you understand why you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> the Lord is good. But we're not doing that now. Now let's just look through this again. Like I said, it's in the book of Colossians here that Paul really, really took time out to greet people. What I just want to point out from there is that he was careful to acknowledge all the people that were with him. Paul made it clear, all this work that we are doing, I'm not the one doing it alone. And he gave a list of all the people that were working with him. And we saw, we saw that list there. I already passed the comment that, uh, again, let me just put something here. Paul, again, was not a man to bear a grudge. If you see, he mentioned Mark. There was a time they separated, he and Mark, because, you know, it was, reading this, I realized that the reason why Barnabas was a bit one kind that time was because Mark... Alright, was his cousin. So the first time they traveled, uh, Mark was not willing. That's John Mark. He was not willing to travel far away from home. So when they were getting too far away from home, the man went back. And Paul was very angry with him. So the next time they wanted to travel, Barnabas said he should come. Paul said, never. You are not coming here. The disagreement was so sharp, they separated. Alright, that was when you started. You stopped hearing Paul and Barnabas. Started hearing Paul and Silas. Okay? Some people have said that. After that, the ministry of Barnabas ended. That is not true. Okay? What just happened was that the book of Acts, okay, this was what David Pawson explained and maybe some other scholars. Who wrote the book of Acts? It was who? Luke. Why did he write it? He started it with by addressing something. He wrote the book of um, Luke and then the book of Acts. And both of them were written to one person. What was his name? Yes, one most excellent Theophilus. Which many people do not remember, they don't know who he was. Okay. <laughs> okay, who is this most excellent Theophilus? This was David Paulson's um, um, opinion, which is came from many things, and he came to this conclusion. Paul was in prison, his trial was being prepared. So, Theophilus was either a judge or his lawyer. Do you understand my point? So that Luke, which you can see, one of his co-workers, an educated man, well-learned, a physician, decided to compile the details of the case so that it would be used in Paul's defense. So that was why he first started by compiling every detail about the life of Jesus, who Paul was serving, and then began to write everything that happened afterwards. If you see, the whole story of the book of Acts was written around the person of Paul. Everything. So from the time of resurrection and all of that, until he came in, they kept on narrowing down until, until Stephen. 
Why? Paul was there. After that, the, the conversion of Paul was written, and then all the activities of Paul. So once Barnabas separated from Paul, do you get my point? He was no longer relevant in the discourse. It was not as if God ended with Barnabas. <laughs> because I've seen people say that once you disagree with the man, his ministry ended. No, his ministry did not end. But the account was the account of the life of Paul. So if we're writing the story of Kingdom Word, and after some time I tell you that Kingsley moved to Abuja, um, um, Onyeka, Onyeka moved to Onicha, you now say that after that they didn't hear from them again. Their ministry has ended. Their ministry did not end. These are the people that we started here together. All right, it was Kingsley and Onyeka that used to lead prayers. Kingsley would drive me down to Benin, anywhere I have to go and minister. Sometimes we will go together. He will do the driving. We'll go together. I mean, they were no good that time. Initially, they were, they were law students in UNEC. Then they graduated, went to law school. So when Kingsley was sitting in law school, then we see how to say a lot. Then after that, they went for NYC. After NYC, so you can now say that uh, you see their ministries ended just because you're writing the story of Kingdom World Ministries. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. <laughs> we, we, we just need to explain that. So now, so what, what I just wanted to bring out is that we can see from this letter, Paul did not be a grudge. After a while, he, he, of course, he linked again with Mark, and Mark again was with him here t- uh, teaching. Elsewhere, he will tell you that he has been a faithful worker and a very, very diligent, you know, companion with me. He never bore a grudge. Maybe, like somebody, another person said, that because Barnabas took Mark, Mark succeeded in ministry. That was why he was useful for Paul later. That if Barnabas had agreed with um, Paul and had abandoned Mark, we don't know what will have become of him. That's another argument that I had. So that the influence of Barnabas is the reason why Paul found Mark useful later on in life. These are all possible, you know. But what we can just bring from it is that the man didn't bear a grudge, Paul, um, uh, Mark returned to him. Now, the one I just want to pass a comment on. So, remember, he was, he was careful to acknowledge and be grateful for everybody that was working with him. He, was not, um, he didn't think that all of this was being done only by himself. And Dina said, in the last one I want, I said verse 17. Say to Archippus. Now, the story of Demas, we won't talk about it now. If you want to know about Demas, go and read my little book, Don't Quit the Army. Is it Don't Quit the Army? Yes. Please go and read the little book, Don't Quit the Army. If you haven't read it, I don't know what, why, why you have not read it. Especially since it's, easy, it's available for download. 30 minutes on Facebook, cancel it. Just read Don't Quit the Army for that 30 minutes. And you'll finish the book. It's not a very long book. If you're a slow reader, I'll probably take you an hour or two. But you can rush through it in a short while. Alright? Please go and read the book, Don't Quit the Army. It's a book that I believe that every believer should read. Because I told the story of Demas there. Why Demas departed from Paul. Paul spoke later. I said, Demas has departed from me. Having fallen in love with this present age. It's a story that we must all learn. Many people depart from the place of their primary assignment because they are looking for where life is comfortable. That is a very foolish thing for a believer to do. That was why I wrote the book, Don't Quit the Army. God has placed you somewhere for a reason and does not include enjoying life. I don't know whether you get my point. So if that place is tough, you still have to endure. He said, endure hardship, he wrote to Timothy, as a true soldier of Christ. Being in, pla- in the place of God's assignment does not mean life will be easy. The fact that you are obeying God does not mean everything will work easily. Paul obeyed God, he landed in prison. Paul obeyed God, he beat him severely. Paul obeyed God, he fell into the ocean. <laughs> you get to my point? And he said, none of these things move me. Many of us, we are moved by uh, power supply is not constant. We are moved. Naira is sliding against the dollar. We are moved. My boss talked to me, has in the office. We are moved. <laughs> I know, you know the way it's happening in many parts of the world now. I don't like the way my husband is talking. We are moved. I divorced him. <laughs> Every little thing. But Paul said, none of these things move me. So that's the story about Demas. But like I said... This one, I just want to add to it, and then we close. I think we are done with uh, these um, books. I'll just do a summary, and then we're out of here. He said, verse 17, And say to Archippus, Let me use my own version, the one I use normally. Say to Archippus, God has given you a ministry. Take heed to make sure you fulfill it. Which means that the ministry will not fulfill itself automatically. 
you have to put in effort so you can fulfill it. Once I saw a brother, I said, oh boy, how are you doing? He said, fine. I said, how far? He knew what I was talking about, ministry. He talk, go here, talk, go there. At the end of the day, I said, my brother, you are not getting younger. You don't have all the time. If you say God has called you to ministry, I give him Archippus' sentence, uh, uh, Paul's statement sent to Archippus. Say to Archippus, take heed. You know what that tells me? Archippus was not taking heed. I'm sure Paul knew that God had called Archippus. Archippus knew it. He was not in doubt. But he was not taking heed. What was he doing? He had to finish his house first. He was not taking heed. What was he doing? And these are statements people have given me, the one I'm about to give you. I have a, I have a lot of family responsibilities. So I cannot do what I'm supposed to do, which I know I'm supposed to be doing. What was Archippus saying? Archippus was saying to Paul, Before I enter ministry, I must start a good business. So that they will know I did not come to this ministry for money because of hunger. So they are there five years building a business, ten years building a business, twenty years building a business, twenty-five years. I'm giving you live instance, I know what I'm thinking about. Still waiting. Paul said, Listen, take heed to that ministry to ensure you fulfill it. God is not going to fulfill it for you, nobody's going to do it for you. I tell people all the time, no matter... Go and listen to my message, please. I preached this one many years ago. See one of my favorite short messages. Don't quench the spirit. It's on our website. The short sermon segment. Don't quench the spirit. I wrote... I I preached that message. I said many people want to use the reason... They want to fulfill the reason why God gave them life when that's in their spare time. When they have nothing else to do. A man sat me on that one. They said, now that I have, bec- have hit the peak of my career, I cannot enter into ministry. I looked at him. I said, maybe you are not called. That's all I just said. You are not called. If you are called, you don't talk such nonsense. And I went home and told my wife, I said, please, ensure I never say this. Otherwise, you will be a widow. That's what I, t- I told my wife. I said, see what I had to do. I'm just telling you so that you will ensure that I don't say it. If I tell you, let us abandon this ministry until we have accomplished every other thing. <laughs> and I say to your presence, call the brethren. I say, my husband has gone mad again. <laughs> you know the book? <laughs> There's one of these African writer series titled Our Husband. What's the name? Olarotimi. Uh, okay. <laughs> Our husbands has gone, have gone mad again. I said, just say, my husband has gone mad again. I said, call the brethren and start praying. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, any other thing he does, doesn't fulfill this assignment, frustrate it. Let it not work. Hallelujah. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, it's important. The primary reason, I told you I had a discussion with my mother years ago. She asked me, said, um, how is your private practice? I said, that one, oh, I've closed it long ago. Why? I said, ministry is growing. It's a lot of time it takes. I just realized that there are not too many things a man can do. So I had to close that one down so we able to have time for ministry. She now said that, but ministry is not paying you money. And I said, so. Now, when I converse with my mother, we speak in our native tongue. I speak Yoruba. But, you know, I found out that over time, I don't express myself well in Yoruba anymore. You know, just nothing, just but just from um, the, by reason of use. Are you getting my point? I, I mean, I entered University of Benin 1985. That's been a while. All right. So this year makes it how many years ago? 31 years that I stopped sitting in an, in an environment where everybody spoke Yoruba. You know, entered University of Benin. That's when I started conversing on the usual. I mean, my primary school it was forbidden to speak Yoruba anyway. You got the class. The class monitor's problem was job was. Apart from other things, to monitor those who spoke in vernacular. Did you go to that kind of school? Yes. So, I'm sure they don't even do to our children these days. Those ones, they don't know any other language anyway. They speak only English. Now, you have to be given a reward for speaking vernacular. When we're young, no. People get, people get flogged for saying, oh. Yeah. And then when they come to class, call your name and say, when did I speak vernacular? <laughs> Is it when your friend said, 
Don't annoy me. Or he said, oh. <laughs> and oh did not sound English. <laughs> now, the Lord is good. <laughs> now, so back to what I was saying. So for me, I have not, it's difficult for me. I can't pray in Yoruba. I can't. I can't, I can't express myself properly. Just because of use, that's all. I've spoken English 90% of the times for over 30 years. So that's just the way it is. So that day anyway. But as they converse, simple conversation, but when I have to talk for long, or I have to dig into the bowels of the spirit to bring out something, go to English. <laughs> that they were talking, I just switched over to English. When my mother said, but ministry is not paying you money. The only way I could express myself was in English. I just switched over to English. I said, so what shall we do then? I said, will we say, because it is not paying money, will not do the reason why God gave us life? I said, this was the reason why God allowed you to conceive me. This was why I did not die at birth. She said, it's true, Sha. Uh, it is true. It has better be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what I said to her that day. I, of course, she, she, she got the point. My mom is a Christian. So she got the point. I said, sorry. It's not about what pays, what doesn't pay. It is about, you understand, why... <laughs> <laughs> one of my colleagues, uh, one of our brothers sent me a message. Ah, my phone is not here. I'll read it out. Sent a message to me yesterday. He said, ah, Oga, <laughs> be preaching this message, you. I said, what happened? He said, one of his colleagues, he works in one of these multinationals. The guy went abroad on what they call cross-posting. Maybe went to Bahrain, Oman, those kind of places, and came back. Said the guy was a Muslim or something, became a believer. He said the guy made a statement. He asked the guy why, that the guy quoted me. He didn't know I knew him. Where did you get that from? He said, Pastor Banky said. So when he heard Pastor Banky said, you send me a message. He said, Oga, continue preaching. He's walking. <laughs> Are you getting my point here? Yeah, that's it. It says, take heed to the ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Let me just say it again. Everybody. It's not everybody's ministry that's preaching. No. There's preaching. That's what I'm doing. I'm teaching the word of God. But everybody has a ministry. Everybody. Everybody, all right? Now, what is my ministry? We're not discussing that now. This is not the time to discuss which one is my ministry. We don't have the time. But just pray and locate it. But one of the, one thing I must say is this. If you don't have a conscious awareness, okay, then what God does is to just give you a responsibility. For that day, that's the ministry. Nobody can say, what's my ministry? When there's a job in front of him or her and the person is not doing it exceedingly well. God doesn't pray. He doesn't answer such prayers. You go to work every day. You teach in a secondary school. You are teaching physics. Every day you are praying. In the name of Jesus, Lord, what is my ministry? Even if you could see a vision of God, this is how he's looking at you. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, they say if I pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. After a while, my spirit will be quiet. And I will hear what you are saying. I say, go ahead, pray in tongues. You will start, hey, shake your local, local, blah, 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 blah. You do for five hours. When your spirit is quiet, <laughs> the Lord too will be quiet. <laughs> so everything will be quiet. Then you will now come and meet me. I said, Pastor Baki, I prayed for seven hours. So what came up in your spirit? Nothing. So let me help you. What do you do now? I teach physics in the secondary school. Make sure that your new prayer point is this. No matter how dull the child sent to my class is, Lord, you give me the grace to impart the knowledge of physics into their heads. There is nobody that will come to my class. As it is written, all the ones you have given me, I have kept. I am going to keep in the knowledge of physics every child given to me. And God will say, hey, now you are talking. That one angel, give me that vial of anointing to teach. They will pour it on your head. When you talk, students say, wow, is that what Isaac Newton meant? You will become so good in teaching children. That way, you are fulfilling your ministry. And when God says enough of that, you don't need to pray and pray and pray and fast. He will tap you one morning. Say, where are you going? I'm going to class. Say, class over. What else shall we do? From now on, I want you to follow me in this particular direction. You open another door. I suddenly, after a year, say, I don't teach physics anymore. Say, God said, no, start applying physics in a different dimension. That's how God does it. Too. If you are still praying, God, what is my ministry? And you don't know. After two years, 
you should know you know already. I don't know whether you get my point. That thing you are doing now is the ministry. God does not answer people who don't want to do anything. You know, people say it's not. You know, before I got that experience, I found a lot of lazy people. They are the ones praying to know their ministry. Most diligent people are too busy to pray. If you know what I mean, in a good way. A lot of lazy people. Many people asking to know their ministry. You know the truth? They don't want to do anything. What I've just said there about Archippus is simple. God said, listen, if I've given you a ministry, fulfill it. And I'm adding to it, if you don't know what it is, that means just look around. What is the assignment that I've given you for today? Fulfill that one. While you are busy doing it, we will discover the real thing that you were called to do. Do you get my point? That's just the thing I want to add there. So that concludes our 11 sessions, right? Yeah, 11. 11 sessions of teachings on the book of Ephesians and the book of um, Colossians. But let me just summarize it again. Why did we do this? We wanted people to understand the basic foundations of Christian doctrine. We wanted, I mean, Paul took time out in the book of Colossians to explain the supremacy of Christ. And that was why this began. Just that we had to go through everything. There were two portions. The earlier portions went through the theories, the fundamental spiritual knowledge concerning Christianity. Who is Jesus Christ? Please go and listen to the series at the beginning if you were not here then. The idea was let's know what is the foundation of this faith we are walking in. How is it? Do we still need to go to Jerusalem? Do you get my point? Is a Jew superior to a Christian? Christians many times talk as if Jews are superior to Christians. But we have seen from the word of God revealed to Paul that they most certainly are not. Nobody is anything except they are in Christ. And if they are in Christ, there is no division. There is no division that this one is a Jew, this one is a Gentile. We have established that. Now, based upon the faith that we have in those things, there are practical things that we are supposed to do. One of the ones I think is most important was the one we looked at last time or the one before that. We looked at relationships. Paul said, your faith is expressed in your relationships. How do you relate as a husband with your wife? How do you relate as a wife with your husband? How do you relate as a parent with your children? How do you relate as a child with your parents? How do you relate as a boss, all right, with your worker? How do you relate as a worker with the people that you work for? These are the things that show that indeed you are a believer. If your faith is not expressed in these areas, then that faith is not genuine. That's what we have seen. Are you getting my point? So these are the practical things. One thing we said, let me just repeat it again so that we'll close with that, is the fact that Christianity does not have one simple set of rules and regulations. The Jews had 613 we don't have 613. There are things that the Jews are not commanded by concerning that we have commandments concerning. And many of our commandments are even personal. That is, it applies to you, it does not apply to your neighbor. Why? Christianity breeds. God is alive to us. Are you getting my point? There was a time I was doing something, I said to the Lord, what do you think about it? If you don't like it, let me know. And that's it. He made it clear through an interesting manifestation it's not nothing wrong with it, but you, I don't want you to do that. And that's it. That's it. There's nothing, it's not terrible, though. But just say clearly for you, I don't want it. And that's what Christianity is about. So tomorrow, I mean, there are things I even tell my wife sometimes. I say, listen, because of this and this, you can't do this. Why? Because when you are standing, your presence is making statements, even when you are not talking. You're not saying anything, though. That's, look, the way I react to things is I'm very careful. I know people are checking out for my reaction. If I'm in the church service and the man preaches something that's not that, say something like this. Some people just look in my direction. They want to see whether I nod. <laughs> so I don't even smile anyhow. <laughs> if I'm preaching heresy and I'm in the church, I must frown. Because once people know I'm in that church, my expression is a statement. You just make one statement like this, and I just I can feel the eyes looking at me. <laughs> so that's it. If I desire, if you if you are blaspheming, this is how I will do. I'm telling everybody, don't listen to him; he's a joker. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are blessing him, I think everybody should listen to you. I jump up, whoo, hallelujah! I sing I like when we're in Chris Evans' place. I was standing all through. I was standing all throughout. This man is saying the word of God. Are you getting my point? Now that's something about Christianity. Okay? The commandments. 
they don't have a number. You get a new position in life, God gives you a new commandment. That's what we call testimonies. And we said the word of God has different aspects. One of them is your testimonies. What are testimonies? They are personalized commandments. You are getting my point here. So that's what it is. So we don't have a set of commandments, but we have certain understandings at the bottom of our heart, which allows us to come up with actions that are pleasing to God. There are many things we have to face these days Paul did not have to face. But what he wrote already gives us a fundamental spiritual background by which we can bring forth the commandment of God in that area. The way you use social media, there's a command, yes, there's a divine commandment, which Paul did not, Paul never knew about social media, that it will exist one day. But already wrote words, which if you read, you will decode how to handle yourself in that arena. I hope you've gotten my point. I hope you learned something in these few weeks of looking at the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians.